The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Good morning again. Welcome to Coastal. Uh, my name is Ryan. I'm the youth pastor here at Coastal. And uh, today we're going to continue uh, in kind of our buildup to our big day coming up that Chris just talked about on September 16th, uh, talking about evangelism and inviting your friends, sharing your faith, uh, that kind of stuff, because uh, that's what it's all about, right? It's what we're all about. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 says, go, for, uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I mean, that's what we're all about here at Coastal. We're supposed to go and make other disciples, right? Disciples making disciples. And today we're actually going to talk about uh, possibly one of the hardest places uh, to go about sharing your faith, and that's at your job, right? At your workplace. Uh, you know, if the average person spends eight hours a day, five days a week uh, at your workplace, uh, that's 2,080 hours a week that you, or 2,080 hours a year that you spend at your job, right? Over 2,000 hours. And that's over 2,000 hours a year that you spend with the same people, right? 2,000 hours a year uh, where you get to know these people, right? Build relationships with these people, right? I mean, where else, what other opportunity is God gonna lay in front of you where you have people who are physically required to be in the same room with you for over 2,000 hours a year, right? They're physically required to talk to you. Um, what opportunity is better than that? I mean, it's crazy to think about. Most of us would rather, you know, stand on the street corner with a sign and a bullhorn uh, than look over to the person next to us and say, what you, what you got going on next Sunday? I mean, it's this crazy idea. And uh, now I know a lot of you probably think it's a little weird for pastors to talk about this topic, right? Because uh, unless the church has some serious issues, uh, pastors normally don't have too many people to share their faith with at work, like in their immediate circle at work. But uh, most of us have normally worked uh, one job or another before becoming a pastor. It's not true for some, but for some of us it is. And uh, for me personally, it is. I took kind of a long path uh, to get here. I actually worked training uh, draft horses before I went back to school for seminary. And uh, it, I was always had the opportunity to, to share my faith at work. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I was you know, shooting about 100% success rate in sharing my faith at work. Because I can tell you, out of the uh, maybe eight to 10 horses that I worked with on a daily basis, all 10 of them became Christians. It was pretty easy. You know, I, I walked up with a treat, and I was like, okay, this is what's going to happen, horse, right? If you want to accept Jesus Christ, just go ahead and take the treat. That's all you got to do. Just take the treat. You know, the treat, it's a gift of salvation. Just go ahead and take it, or you can reject it. That's fine. Every single one of them took that treat, right? Every single one. So I'm shooting about 100%. That's all I'm saying. But no, I'm just kidding, right? Obviously, I wasn't out there uh, seeking to make every animal a Christian. That's a completely different topic, completely different debate. Uh, but my point is that there's always an opportunity, right? There's always an opportunity uh, no matter where you work, right? unless you're maybe a mortician and you are surrounded by dead people 24-7. There is always someone, right? There's always an opportunity to share your faith uh, with somebody. It's our number one responsibility here on earth. And we have to take advantage of it. And now I feel, you know, a lot of people give the pushback, right? The same pushback. I don't know what to say, or I don't know uh, what to do, right? And so what's, what I'm going to do this morning is I'm actually going to give you the secret. And I'm going to give you the secret to sharing your faith at work, the secret that will make you wildly successful in every person you talk to. And they don't always tell you about the secret unless you really go digging for it, right? So this is the secret uh, to sharing your faith at work. It's pretty simple. There isn't one. Right? There is not a secret to sharing your faith at work. Yes, it's scary. 
but it's not hard. Right? I'm going to challenge everyone here this morning, just, just get over it. Right? Just get over it. Yes, there's a chance that they could reject you, or yes, there's a chance that it could get uh, awkward for a quick minute, uh, but who cares? Right? Who cares? And now when I say that, when I say that, there is, there's not a specific way to go about uh, inviting someone to church or sharing your faith, but I think there is a way not to do it. Right? You don't have to share your faith in a way that makes you uh, basically the obnoxious one that no one wants to be around. Right? You don't have to do that. We all know that's not how you get it done. And so I think the big picture answer, right, the big picture answer to really sharing your faith uh, in the workplace is pretty simple. It's just this. It's just live the life that God has called you to live. Live the life that God has called you to live. God says we are to love people. And Ephesians 4, 29 uh, through 32 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all the malice. Uh, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Right? You have to see there's no uh, secret to sharing your faith. Right? There's no magic formula. There's no uh, perfect four or five-step process that you have to use. Right? God gave us a way, and it's simply by living the life that he has designed for us, that he has called us to live. And it's so simple that when you do like, truly grasp it, uh, you you kind of end up feeling dumb that you wasted so much time, you know, or being scared or saying that you don't know how. I mean, really, one of the most annoying things about this whole topic for me is how everyone has, like I said, this magical formula or this magic three or four or five step process. You know, if you actually Google how to share my faith at work, you'll probably pop up all these articles that are like eight clever tips and tricks to sharing your faith at work. Right? And it's always how to basically trick people into he- hearing you talk about God. I think that's so annoying. You know, uh, it's basically these clever ways. And I think really that that's why people don't like Christians in the first place, right? Because of all these tips and tricks that we try to use, right? That's why they come into the conversation already turned off uh, to hearing and talking about God. And so that's the first thing uh, that you're really going to do. And these, I'm going to give you uh, five different uh, points kind of, but what I don't want you to take it as is a five-step process. It's not what this is. These are five things that are going to naturally happen in your life when you choose to live the life that God has for you, right? It's not you do number one, then you do number two, then number three, number four, number five. It's just things that you'll notice happen in your life when you live this life focused on God and designed how he wants you to. And so the first thing that's gonna naturally happen when you're living the life God wants you to live is you're just gonna be authentic, right? The first thing is be authentic. Be the person that God has called you to be, right? Act like a person who follows God. You don't have to try and pretend uh, that you know every single verse in the Bible, you don't have to try and act uh, like you've got your life perfectly together. All right, please hear me when I say this. Please don't be the fake Christian. All right, everybody knows uh, the fake Christian. The fake Christian is the most hated and obnoxious of all the other Christians. Right? Everyone knows that fake Christian, uh, the one who acts like they have their whole life together, that does act like they know every single verse of the Bible, and they try to pick apart your life and tell you how they're doing it, and you should be doing it this way because they do it this way. Right? Basically acting like they're you know, God in the flesh. Right? And, and they're amazing. These people are amazing because somehow they've got not only people who normally dislike Christians to dislike them even more, but they've also got all of us Christians disliking them as well. I mean, that's the power of this fake Christian. I mean, honestly, the easiest way to turn people off to hearing about the gospel is to act like you've got it all put together. 
right? Be transparent. 2 Corinthians, two, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 12 says, For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so toward you. Right? Do you see that? It's easy, God. Just be simple. Be sincere. Right? Don't act like you know everything. Don't act like you've got it all together. Don't be fake. Be authentic. Right? That's what people really want in this world nowadays. And if, if they can get that from a Christian, and that's just going to blow their mind, the authenticity that they're looking for. And too many people today just put out this fake image, right? this almost plastic image. And sometimes it's you know, unintentional. Right? Sometimes Christians uh, unknowingly you know, make themselves unapproachable uh, by refusing to be transparent and therefore projecting this you know, fake or almost plastic image. Right? It leaves their coworkers believing that Christians live a perfect life. And we all know uh, that's not true. Right? Honestly, I really think it's because you know, Christians or believers, you know, they think, they fear that when they share their struggles or their trials or tribulations or setbacks or failures, by sharing that, they're basically going to reveal that they have a lack of faith. And that's just not true at all. It's actually the opposite. Right? Uh, Peter Wagner, who's author of The Church in the Workplace, says, uh, it's okay to talk about your struggles. And then others will talk about their struggles with you, and that's when you gain influence. So you have to just be authentic with your coworkers. And so that's the first thing you'll find yourself doing at work when you're trying to live this life, this godly life, uh, which will then result in you being able to share your faith. Um, But the second thing is actually pretty simple. And it will really help you not only spiritually, but actually just in your job in that area of your life. And it's simply this, just doing good work. Right? If If you're focused on living a godly life, you'll find yourself just doing good work. I mean, it's a crazy idea. You know, do the good job. Build the reputation. Right? When you do get a chance to, to speak the gospel, right, or to share Jesus Christ with one of your coworkers, make sure you've already been backing it up. Right? Make sure you've been backing it up by the work that you would have done up until that point. Right? Build a reputation uh, as a person who works with you know, purpose and kindness and encouragement and an attitude and heart of service. Right? That's what makes a good coworker. And then when you, when you do share the gospel, people will see the truth of what you are saying. Right? They will see that you're not just, you know, throwing words out at them, but that you're actually living out what you are saying. Right? Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. I mean, really, it doesn't matter where you work. Right? Who you work for, what job you have, as long as it's not you know, directly involving sin and going against God, just do it for him. Right? Even if you have the most boring office job that anyone could ever imagine, right? God has you there for a reason. He wants you there. Right? You have a purpose for being there, so look for opportunities uh, to use that job, right? to use all the stuff that's going on in your life or all the stuff that's going on in your coworker's life. Right? Use that as an opportunity to bring up Christ to them. But you have to make sure that you have the credibility in order to do that. Right? If people know you as uh, the lazy, the unhelpful one, right, who everyone else has to pick up the slack for, uh, you've already you know, incredibly damaged your witness. Right? You can't do anything at that point. I mean, I know there's always that one person in the office. Right? Everybody knows the one person uh, in the office, and I, I won't say who it is in our office, <laughs> uh, but... 
we'll talk about that later. No, seriously, uh, they always, there's always that one person that needs help with something, right? They, they get sick every Friday, right? Or they can't make it to all the meetings or work or just can't handle the workload. There's always that one person, right? But don't be that person, guys. Don't be that person. Just, just do good work. Work hard. Right? Proverbs 14, 23 says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk only leads to poverty. Leads only to poverty. Just work hard and do your part. Right, do what you can to enhance your witness as a Christian. And then the next step is just to lay it out there. Right, just throw out the message of God's love. Just put it out there for the person. And with the reputation that you would have built by working like you would if you're living a godly life, it will immediately have as much effect as it ever will. Right? And at, at that point, it's just up to God. You've done what you can. And that really leads us into uh, the third thing that's going to kind of happen when you're just actively living this godly life, right? And that's that you're just going to be okay planting seeds. Be okay just planting seeds. And what I mean by that is just be okay just putting it out there, right? Maybe instead of, you know, the hour or two hours you need to actually sit down and go through the Bible and the gospel, you know, maybe it's just uh, the 30 seconds, you know, after uh, a coworker tells you that their mom's sick or has cancer, you know, maybe it's uh, the two minutes after they confide in you that, you know, they're struggling in their relationship with their spouse. Or it could be just two seconds, you know, right after they kind of hint that they're struggling with depression or anxiety or something like that. Right? They don't have to get down on their knees right there and confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's not what we're looking for. Be okay just planting the seeds. Or maybe they reject you right then and there. Right? Maybe they just uh, shrug you off. Right, that's okay. Just be someone that they can talk to, right? Who's not going to force some three-step process down their throat or, or force some magical life-changing way of living on them, right? Be that person that just plants the seeds, right? Because when you're okay, when you're okay just planting the seeds, that person's going to be okay coming back to where the seeds were first planted, right? You're going to get the opportunity, you know, to build those relationships and water those seeds, that's what's going to happen. You continue to just keep building on that relationship. You can be the person that they confide in, that they want to have a relationship with. Right? That's the perfect opportunity. Right? When someone asks you, you know, what you did over the weekend, just, just say you went to church. That's just throwing it out there. You don't have to try and not tell them that. You know, when, when they invite you to something during the week, it's okay to say, hey, man, actually, I have a life group to go to. Why don't you come? Or, you know, I have this going on. Right? Don't say that you can't, you know, come to something else because, uh, you just can't, you know, I've got things to do. Tell them that you're volunteering at your church or, or whatever it is. I don't go into a conversation and mentally uh, censor out, you know, God in the church and Jesus. I think a lot of us do that all the time. We're unsure of how people are going to act towards us, so we mentally, you know, censor out. We mentally uh, make an effort not to talk or mention a Jesus or the church. I just don't do that. Make sure you publicly identify as a Christian. You don't have to do it in the way like the video. You don't have to be obnoxious about it, but just mention it. Just throw it out there. Just plant the seeds. Right? Let people know that you're a Christian. Right? You'll be amazed at how often, uh, at least I think this, I mean, you think you'll be amazed at how often people will take the opportunity to press in on the little bit of information that you give them. Right? People are often way more interested in talking about spiritual things and spiritual stuff like that than you would ever think. Right, so be okay just planting those seeds. Right, and then from there, it's, like I said, it's not up to you. Right, once you plant the seed, all you can, can do is continue to just be there and pray for those people. 
That's all you can do. It's up to God at that point. I love this passage from 1 Corinthians 3. It's verses 5 through 9. And it says, what, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? And I'm going to stop right there real quick before I keep going. A little backstory. Both Paul, Apollos and Paul were both great you know, preachers at the time uh, in this biblical time in 1 Corinthians. You know, uh, there was the Apostle Paul, and they would go around traveling, preaching, and, and telling people about the Word of God and bringing people to God. And so they were, of course, widely respected as Christians. Everybody knew these two guys as great Christians who were going to preach the Word. And so what's awesome is the author, who actually is Paul, which as a side note, it makes, just shows how much humility he has, right, and how much uh, understanding he has of how this thing works. Paul is basically saying, you know, when talking about being people to Christ, he's saying, who are these guys? Who is Apollos? Who is, I mean, who is Paul? That's like us today saying, who is Billy Graham? Is Billy Graham who? Like, it just doesn't matter. Right, so it keeps going. It says, only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. And then he goes, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Right, so neither the one who plants it nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes it grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. And Paul is saying right there, it doesn't matter who you are. You can speak in front of 10,000 people a week at a church or just in front of the one or two co-workers that you have each week. Right? It doesn't matter how much money you have or what your car looks like, or what your house looks like, how many kids you have and how much success they have, right? how good looking you are, what your job is like. None of that matters. All that matters is your willingness uh, to do what you can. Right? Your willingness to step out of your comfort zone and just be there for people. Right, to share what God has done in your life and show people how awesome it is when you do invite him to be a part of it. That's all you can do. That's all God asks of you, to just build those relationships. And so that's actually the next thing uh, that will happen when you live this life full of God, this life that God wants you to live and put it into your workplace, is you'll find yourself naturally building relationships. Right? You'll be one, one of the coworkers that does do a good job of building relationships, it's an incredibly simple idea, but it's not always that easy. I'll give you that. It's not the easiest thing to do. All right, sometimes it takes some intentional forethought, right, some intentional effort on your part. Right, sometimes it doesn't, but a lot of the times it does. I think that happens for a lot of people. You know, uh, We all know that person that you see them and you're just like, there is no absolutely possible way on God's green earth that I could ever have a relationship with that person. Right, it's just not going to happen. Right? I mean, that happens to a lot of us, but honestly, that's still not an excuse to not build the relationship. Like, that's not just the excuse that we can use to not go and talk to them, to not try and build some semblance of a relationship with them. Right? Uh, they don't have to be your best friend. Right? You don't have to be incredibly close to them, but you have to make some kind of effort because that's what God calls us to do. And one example that's so perfect in the Bible is actually the story, uh, story of Paul and Barnabas. Right? And so you probably have heard of the Apostle Paul, but may, many of you may not have heard of Barnabas. Barnabas was actually Paul's uh, mentor. And so for those of you that don't know, uh, before Paul became Paul, he was actually Saul of Tarsus, and it was his job to go around and extradite Christians back to Jerusalem so that they could be killed, so they could be persecuted. And so what happens is uh, Paul is traveling, and he has, you know, he meets God, he, he has this conversion, and he basically goes and decides that he wants to be a disciple now. Right, he wants to be a disciple. Imagine that. 
Right? Imagine these group of Christians who are just hanging out, and then Paul walks, or Saul walks up and says, hey guys, my name is Paul now. I want to be a disciple. Like, no, you were just killing us two weeks ago, and now you're here wanting to be a disciple. It's not going to work like that. Right? But here's this guy. You know, again, he was just killing people, and now he wants to be a disciple. Right? And you think you have it rough dealing with the guy in your office that eats everyone else's food. Right? Pastor Chris, like seriously, you've got to put your name on it. But, but really, we think we have it tough like that. Here's this guy who was killing people last week, and now he wants to be a part of the group. But, but listen uh, to what Barnabas did, Acts 9, starting in verse 26. It says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. I can't imagine why, right? Not believing that he really was a disciple, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the disciples. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem. Speaking boldly in the name of the Lord, he talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. Right? When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Right? So not only did Barnabas stick his neck out for this guy, but somehow he actually convinced all the other apostles, all the other disciples uh, to, to bring him into the group, to believe in this guy. Right? And then they even took it a step further. Right? Some Christians of the day you know, had, had heard about how Saul had now become Paul and was traveling around preaching the word, and they weren't about that. Right? So they went and tried to actually kill him. But, but these apostles, they weren't having it either, so they actually took him and sent him off to Tarsus to protect him. And there he evolved into the apostle Paul and did amazing things, becoming perhaps the greatest apostle ever. Right? Just think about that. The greatest apostle possibly ever in the Bible used to kill Christians and only became who he was because some dude named Barnabas decided to build a relationship with him. Right? That's just a crazy story, and I think that really gives us two messages. First off, and completely off topic from, from today, that just means God can use anybody. I don't care who you are or what you've done, God can use you. Uh, but the second thing, the second thing that we kind of get from this message is that uh, you have to think about this. Where do we normally find ourselves? Uh, where, do we, where do you normally find yourself? Are we normally the ones uh, sticking out our necks in order to build relationships? Or do we actually find ourselves more in the group of Christians trying to kill Paul? I mean, think about it. Where do you normally find yourself? Right? What do you think is actually, what do you think happens when you actually live the life that God wants you to live? Right? Like we have to be the ones willing to stick our necks out there for others, no matter who they are. Right? That's honestly why Jesus got the most pushback. Right? In his ministry, he decided to say, uh, get out of here, Pharisees, I'm going to go hang out with the sinners. I mean, that was just a crazy message of the day, and we can do the same, but why shouldn't we do that now? Right? Why are we too good to do that kind of dirty work? Right? We just have to build these relationships. Right? These, uh, these relationships are, are actually the foundation of it all. We just have to build them. And so uh, after we are, when we've done that, we'll notice we've done that, the last thing we can do to share our faith at work, the last thing that we will, again, naturally do, and we are just focusing on living the godly life, is that no matter where we are, what we're doing, we will have a mission field mindset. Right, we will have a mission field mindset. And, and let me explain that. A mission trip is basically where you go somewhere with the sole purpose of sharing Christ. Right, actually, next year, we're going to Lima, Peru on a mission trip, and our goal is just to, to minister to everyone in the community. Right, every person that we come in contact with, we want to share the message of God's love. 
Or we actually take tens of thousands of little New Testament tracts and pass them out to every person we see. Right? That's the goal uh, of a mission strip. And a side note, if, you, if you're interested in going to Peru at all next year, you can actually just talk to me right on your Connect card. I'll get you some more information uh, about that. Uh, but this mindset uh, that we go on a missions trip with right, is the same mindset that we should go into every facet of our life with, especially our workplace. Right? Wherever you work, even if you hate every single second of being at your job, go in with the mindset that I'm going to make use of this opportunity. I'm going to make this an opportunity. Right, that I'm going to use the opportunity to take advantage of where God has put me and the people that he has put around me. Right, throughout our society, there are countless examples of people who share so much in common simply because they work in the same field. Right, they speak the same jargon. They struggle with the same issues. Right, they ask many of the same questions. They work together. They're used to it. But in so many of these cultures, so many of these, these groupings, the truth of the gospel, the message of God's love is just non-existent. Right? It's a rarity. And no one knows that better than, again, the Apostle Paul. Right? This time with his buddy uh, Silas. Let's so again, one more backstory. Paul and Silas were traveling around preaching the message of God. And, uh, you know, they're doing their thing preaching. And there's this uh, fortune teller lady, this possessed fortune teller who's kind of following them around, just keeps poking at them, just annoying them. And finally, Paul gets annoyed enough to where he turns to her and says, you know, in the name of God, I cast the demon out of you. And all of a sudden, she can't tell fortunes anymore. And so the men who own the woman, uh, they actually get really mad because now they can't make money off their fortune teller. And they actually take Paul and Silas and put them in jail. Right? So I, I can just imagine, you know, Paul and Silas are preaching. They get arrested, put in jail. And that night, you know, they're sitting there in their dark cell, just sitting together and just, well, dang. Right? Of all the stuff we could get arrested for. This is what we get put into jail for. And I imagine, again, that's another funny conversation they have on the yard the next day. You know, like, you know, what are you in for? I'm stealing some gold. What about you killing my neighbor? What about you? Uh, this fortune teller girl annoyed me, and so I cast a demon out of her. Right? I mean, that's, that would be a funny conversation. But no matter what you see, whatever weird situation they're in, you know, being the awesome guys they are, the awesome Christians they are, they don't give up the mission just because they're in jail. Right? They make the jail their mission field. As far as they're concerned, there's still people in jail that need Jesus, right? And so they keep their mission field mindset. As they're in jail that night, Acts 16.25 says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the last part says, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Right? The other prisoners were listening to them. So these two dudes are in jail for some stupid crime, and they don't let it get to them. Right? They're praying to God. They're singing to God. They're worshiping him. And what happens? The other inmates are listening. Right? They're interested. Paul and Silas are planting seeds in jail. Right? Even if nothing happens in the short amount of time that they are in jail, I guarantee you, right, all of those prisoners, all those inmates they talked to are going to remember the two guys you know, that, that got arrested for casting a demon out of a fortune teller and were singing to God in the middle of the night. Right? They're going to remember those people. Those, those seeds have been planted. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, uh, where you work, how much you think you like the people around you, you have to have a mission field mindset. Right? Build the relationships. Uh, plant the seeds. Do good work. Be authentic. Take the Great Commission seriously and live the life that God has called uh, you to live. Right? And what, honestly, what better way to do that than actually inviting people uh, to our big day coming up? And that's the whole purpose of this day. 
It's just a time for people to come, new people, people who are Christians, to just come and, and have the seed uh, planted. Right? Uh, they can actually see uh, a faith that's being lived out, that's real and authentic. Because right? again, not like all the other big days we have, but we're going we're gonna to do it a little differently. We're going to have organizations out front with tents where, where you know, believers, skeptics, unbelievers, people searching, anybody can come here to Coastal that day and live out the life uh, that God has designed. Right? You, know, you never know what happens if you just put that invite out there. You never know uh, what could happen in someone's life. You never know the ripple effect right, that could come out uh, from you building that relationship and planting the seed and just inviting. Uh, we have to do our part and trust God with the rest. So, so be thinking about that big day. You know, we have three services, right? At 8, 30, 10, and 11, 30. Be thinking who you can invite. And that's actually what we're gonna challenge you uh, to do this morning. Uh, Chris talked about that uh, connect card a little earlier. And on that connect card, I wanna challenge you to, we've done it over the last couple of weeks. And so if you already put down a name, that's okay. But think about someone at your work. Think about one or two people that you can write their name on that connect card. And that'll hold you accountable for go ahead and, you know, building the relationship if you haven't already done that, planting the seeds and inviting them uh, to church. All right, and maybe if you, if you haven't written down a name at all, uh, and maybe you don't have anyone at your workplace, I bet you do, but even if you don't, just think about someone in general. Think about someone that you can write their name on the back of that Connect card. And so go ahead and do that this morning. Write their name on that Connect card. Uh, we'll take them and, and put them in our, our prayer requests, saying that we've been doing the last uh, couple of weeks. But just go ahead and be thinking about that. Make that a priority over the next couple of weeks to live the life God wants you to by encouraging people and inviting people. Again, you just, you just never know. You'd never know what's going to happen, even if you think that person would just slap you in the face. They would just back in you across your face if you invited them to church. Right? Just make the effort. You never know what God has planned. You never know what he can do. I mean, we, we serve a God that, that does miracles constantly. You never know what could happen. And so let's pray for that this morning. Father God, I, I just thank you for bringing everyone here this morning. God, thank you for, for the community and the fellowship uh, that we have here at Coastal. God, thank you for, uh, for placing each and every one of us into a specific mission field, God. Uh, help us to recognize uh, the opportunities that are represented in the people around us. Help us to have the courage to get out of our comfort zone uh, and just do life with people. God, help us to, to build relationships, uh, God, to plant seeds, to do good work, to be the authentic people that you've created us to be. God, help us to reflect you in everything we do. God, help us to be living this life that you designed so well that it's just infectious. Right? That people around us can't help but notice that something is different with us, and now they want to know more. God, help us not to waste any more time or any more opportunities. And now, maybe this morning, uh, you're, you're not actually ready for all of this. You, know, you, you yourself might be uh, figuring all this out. Uh, but maybe you've seen people at your work. Right? Maybe you've uh, seen other people here at Coastal and you're just thinking now that I want that kind of life. I want that kind of hope uh, and peace and strength that only God can provide. And so maybe that's you this morning. If it is, just pray this, that uh, Father God, I thank you for everything that you've done. I thank you for everything that you've done. I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for me and my sins. I thank you for paying the ultimate price, one that I would never be able to afford uh, and just washing me clean 
God, I want you as my Lord and as my Savior. I want you to take control of my life. God, I thank you for the second chance you provide. And just help me to spend the rest of my days living the life that you've called me to live. Thank you for everything. In your precious name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.